0: a computer before, for notes. I mean, I've used a computer before. <laughs> I've never used a computer for notes before, but I just didn't have time to print anything up, and I had some computer hassles and that mess that I had last week. I downloaded the new operating system, and I still haven't gotten things figured out. and So, so we're going to see how this works, that I might actually, yeah, okay, good. Um, well, I had a chance with my wife and our daughter, uh, and my father, uh, who we stayed here in Fort Myers uh, over the weekend, and had a chance to hang out a little bit and go downtown last night, and uh, take a little spin downtown. And it, you know, I suspected that there was some, you know, some rough characters in this town, oh, yeah. um, <laughs> and I expected that downtown might be kind of dicey, and. uh and we cross this street, and we're looking out, and all of a sudden, these two crazy-looking young men walk right in front of the car. The Deleon De De boys. And I'm like, I knew we were in trouble. I knew it was going to be a... And they walked right in front of us, right, and the cars behind us are honking like crazy because we're talking to them. And, and uh, yeah, it was a little, a little chaotic there, but, but it was nice. I had never been downtown uh, Fort Myers. I had been to the Edison cottages and such in the past but I never went downtown so it was just good to get that vibe and I need to tell you that my daughter, you know, took her little Google thing and she looked on her phone because she wanted an ice cream and so she thought ice cream near me and Rita's water ice popped up. Now, I don't know about any of you but is anybody here from Philly or have connections to Philly? (laughs) Nobody. Well, then you won't understand. (laughs) My wife was born and raised in Philly, my kids grew up in Philly, and there are certain things in Philly that anybody from Philly, if they see them anywhere else in the world, they go bonkers. And one of those are soft pretzels, not just any old soft, a Philly soft pretzel, right? And then there's um, cheesesteaks, which anywhere else in the world, they're not a Philly cheesesteak. I don't care who it is that's telling you that right? they just, don't compare outside of actually in Philly. And then there's Italian water ice. And and, and Rita's became the, the chain in Philly that was doing Italian water ice. They had one that started up in Sarasota years ago and it went kaput. And we hadn't had a Philly's, or a, a Rita's water ice in I don't know how many years. And my daughter squealed in the back seat, there's a Rita's! And so we Got on. It was like you know, twenty minutes away, but we didn't care. So we drove down Forty One to find the Rita's Water Ice and got um, the uh, uh, the uh, gelatis and the oh my gosh! And it was it was yeah. I have a very happy wife and daughter. Um, got a little of their their fix from from Philadelphia with the water ice. So that was a, that was a real gift. And is there any? I just need to ask this as well because I've never asked this before. Are there any baseball fans in in the congregation? Okay, all right. Well, (laughs) I was really happy last night at about 12.30 in the morning because the Rays are going to the World Series. And and being a Michigan guy and growing up in Detroit, having a team that's only ever gone to the World Series once in my lifetime, my home team in 1984, well, they went in, what was it, 2006 and got clobbered in four games, so I don't count that. But, but it's fun to watch a hometown team, you know, here right in Southwest Florida, and they are just, oh man, they're a fun team to watch. No superstars, just working as a team, and to, I was horrified they were going to get beat. I actually have a friend that came to Guatemala several times who's a pitcher for the Astros. Uh, he's, not, he's got injured, so he's not on the playoff squad right now. But it's kind of hard to root against his team, but, but I was just really happy that um, that the Rays got the World Series, and, uh, and, and I just wonder if I had any baseball fans here with me, because my, my son played ball for Guatemala for the national team, and so I was at the national stadium three or four nights a week, and, and driving back through traffic, all, it's just baseball has been the epicenter of a lot of the passion of our, our lives, and so um, just wanted to see if I had some friends, and I guess I do, so that's good. We'll see, we'll hopefully be able to rejoice just as well as we move forward here, right, with, uh, with the World Series. So, um, let me see if I can, okay, here's my little controller. I'm going to turn this on the correct way, right? Off, on, off. All right, here we go. Let's try it again. It has to go up or down, Matt? Up, okay, it is up, all right? And then if I go like this, there we go. Okay, okay, okay. So... I've been asking you to pray with me for friends of ours around the world that are part of the network that we serve in the Urban Training Collaborative. That's currently 15 cities around the world that are united in a collaboration and we meet regularly um, um, over Zoom calls and such. In fact, this Thursday and Friday of this week, we have a global summit and, and my team is in charge of all of the Americas. So we just have a little responsibility, North America, South America, Central America. And, and we're coordinating hubs from all over those regions. It's all online through Zoom platform stuff. Pray like crazy for me because there's a lot of people depending on me to push the right buttons at the right times. Um, I have some friends helping, so that, that's gonna be encouraging. But we're really thankful for this global network, and it's just such a gift to be part of it. So um, we, we, we took a look at Beirut, and then Manila, Port-au-Prince, Guatemala City, Delhi, uh, um, we looked a couple weeks ago at the women who have disappeared during the, especially in Peru in um, in the in the in the quarantine situations, uh, Dominican Republic last week, and then and then this this morning I'd like to take you with me to, to Nairobi in Kenya real quick, um, Ctm Kenya the Center for Transforming Mission, Gideon Uchoing in in Esau. um uh, who are the, uh, the director of the Center for Transforming Mission, Gideon and, and Esau is the director of training. Them and their families and their team have been responding in some incredible ways uh, through gathering leaders and building capacity and doing joint initiatives. Um, in the midst of all that happened with, um, with the, the COVID situation, they have served 441 households with 109,800 meals have gone out since since the quarantines began in all the distributions that they've been engaged with. Um, They've done training for lab technicians that have gone into the Kibera slum. 250,000 people live in Kibera, the slum that they are on the outskirts of serving as a tiny little team of like four or five of them. Um, they've taken on the Kibbutz slum to, to, to be resources for. 250,000 people that are there. And so they developed a, a weekly joint response team They initiated a Zoom call and had 30 organizations connected to serving in the area of the slum of Kibra. And they said, we can't do this all separately. We'll get nowhere. We've got to unify our efforts. So they gathered 30 of them over Zoom. They meet every single week. So they've had 40 hours of Zoom calls connecting with one another. And they've done things like lab technicians that get trained. The government hasn't done it, so they've done it. They've got folks going in and doing testing for folks that are sick, and then they got contact tracers, and they've rented vehicles with folks that are going in contact tracing when someone does get sick in order to help uh, inhibit the spread of the virus. It's really amazing. And so I just had them send a few pictures um, that just kind of shows the panoramic of, of the work they're doing. This is one of the vehicles they got um, with contact tracing, they're 24 7 on the road running throughout the entire slum area of Quibera and they're connecting and working 24-7 to try to inhibit. Um, This is the the lab technician trainings that they started to do for those that were going to be doing the uh, testing in the communities. Food distribution, they call it the highway of hope because in this community, they've decided to connect as a highway and show all the stops of hope that is all throughout Nairobi, everywhere, and especially in the slum of, uh, of Kibera, Kibera or Kibera they, they, they call the same slum by the, the same name. Um, but that's some of the pictures of the distribution that's happening, uh, the folks that are being served in a whole variety of ways. Um, and I just, that picture with the, the, let's see, your left with all those yellow buckets, that's all drinking water. And they got hundreds and hundreds of drinking water because there just wasn't available for folks in order for them to come and to get a, a bucket for each of the family units um, for, uh, for potable water. Um, one of the pastors of the community, these are the organizations that are working in the, what uh, uh, they call it, the Shaping Peace Initiative. They're all working collaboratively together uh, to serve the Kibera slum. And this is um, just a little tracking the figures thing of twelve thousand dollars have been distributed in the Kibera community, the Huruma community, um, and some of the partners that are engaged in working together. Um, so, really, just another example of some incredible resiliency in a place that is up against uh, the struggle and the the uh, the hardship of on a regular basis, let alone a global pandemic that's really come down upon them. So I just want to ask if you'd join me in prayer for Gideon and Esau and their team in Nairobi and Kenya, and also for a good friend of mine who I work with uh, in the denomination that I'm connected to. His name is Kevin Scuddy, and his wife's parents in Michigan both came down with COVID this week, um, and it looks like the father's going to be okay, but as of yesterday, they had to put the mother on the ventilator, um, and it doesn't look good at all. as She has COVID pneumonia, and so we're praying as a team for for he, um, uh, for Kevin and his, uh, his father-in-law and his mother-in-law in Michigan um, going through a really, really rough time right now. So let's pray together. God, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to be with Relevance Community, to be with this great group of people, God, to, um, to just have the privilege of sharing with them on a weekly basis some of what you have just blown life into through your word throughout the years. And and I just I thank you for the opportunity to just take a couple minutes each each Sunday to just lift up one of the communities that are part of the global network that we're that we're serving together and and be able to pray with them, understanding that as a body of believers, we want to unite ourselves with brothers and sisters of Christ all over this world, many of whom are in situations that are so much more difficult and and complex um, and multifaceted than what we could ever begin to uh, imagine um, here in in our North America um, world. And so I I just pray that you'd bless especially Gideon and Esau and their team there in Nairobi. Thank you for the incredible gift you've given to that community through these Kenyans who are serving their own people with reckless abandon. God, keep them safe. Help them to um, to just continue to hear your heartbeat for their community and that you would give them wisdom, making the right connections at the right times, that families would be provided with what they need. And we just pray, Lord, for, um, for your protection of, of, of the Cabrera Slum in, in particular, those 250,000 people uh, that live in many cases with no running water, um, and just the struggle of a daily hardship of life outside of uh, the added dimensions of what a global pandemic brings, God. So I just, I thank you for, 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 for these Kenyans in Nairobi loving their own people, serving them with reckless abandon, guide, direct, and empower them to do so. And I pray for, for Kevin, uh, my good friend Kevin, um, and uh, uh, his wife's mother and father, especially the mother as, uh, as she uh, is on a ventilator now, Lord. We just pray for your healing touch upon her, we pray that you would restore her strength and that you would give the doctor's wisdom and that she would be able to come out of this situation um, and be able to live several more years enjoying her family and her family enjoying her. Um, Lord, I just put, put that family into your hands, um, asking for, for your healing touch and for your peace that passes all understanding. Drape them in that reality. And I pray this in your name, in your name alone. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, we've been on a journey called the geography of grace. And each week I've thrown this up just to kind of show you a little bit of where we've been guiding through certain passages. Not in any particular order per se. Um, When we started this, it was just kind of, okay, God, I was asked to just share from some of the scriptures that helped animate the book geography of grace. And so what... What, what I did is just sat prayerfully around some of those scriptures and put them in an order and didn't work too hard to get them in any particular order. Um, but these are the scriptures that have sat behind uh, the, the writing of Geography of Grace and the theological reflection on what a theology from below really looks like. And so we started out and had a guide of a Syrophoenician woman and then Mephibosheth in the Old Testament, Elisha's servant in Second Kings, Hagar, who taught us about the God who sees uh, the bleeding woman and the daughter of Japheth, both with the, um, the connections of the rich and the poor and how the healing for the rich moved through the process of engaging the poor. The widow from the town of Nain, who uh, was a clash of these two these two parades of people that collided at the city gate, um, and the parade of life defeated the parade of death. Um, the least of these, the, uh, the scandal of grace, that really difficult story and In Judges chapter 19 that I I shared with fear and trembling because I just didn't know. I just felt so inappropriate to lift up a story like that on a Sunday morning in a church. But it's in Scripture, and I don't believe God put it there so that we would ignore it. And so we tried to understand and pick through uh, how how there is grace resplendent even in a story that difficult to hear. Uh, And then last week, we talked about the lost and found, the party of grace, the prodigal son and the prodigal father, really, saying it's not really a story about a prodigal son, but it's more the story of a prodigal father, an extravagant display of grace from the father um, to a son who doesn't deserve it. And it's not just one son who's lost, it's two sons who are lost. And both have the display of God's prodigal, extravagant grace poured out for both of them. So this morning, we want to take a little look um, at a guy in Scripture um, named Bartimaeus. And we all know about Bartimaeus, that he was blind. But there's something, I think, really unique about this story that I wanted to sit with you around and and a perspective around potentially even some application for what you as a church are in the process of engaging uh, as a congregation. And again, I've tried to couch some of these things in the reflections of, hey, we're in a year 2020. It's a year like none of us have ever lived before. There's so much disorientation. There's so many things to figure out. There's so many things we've had to re-narrate, so many losses in our lives on all kinds of fronts. So what, is, what does all that mean? Is there, is there a sense where God's grace flows downhill and pools up in low places, even in the low places of a year like 2020? even in the disorientation of, of the losses that we experience, and in your case, even uh, the process of, of, of restoration and, and engagement that you are as a congregation moving forward into. So w- what does this story have to share with us about that? Um, and, and how are we going to grasp again a little bit of the geography of God's grace with a guide who's a blind beggar on a street? Right? So let's read this together. If you're able, maybe you could stand up um, as we read this passage of Scripture from Mark chapter 10, beginning at verse 46. And I love to think about the fact that not only do we read Scripture, but God, as words, Word is preached, reads us with His Scripture. Right? And so that's what we want to be prayed for, that we engage God's Word, but as we are open to God's Word engaging us. Mark chapter 10, beginning at verse 46. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up on your feet, matey. He's calling you. And throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, then said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. God, this story is so powerful and so rich with implication for us as individuals, for us as families, for us as a congregation, and for us as a nation. Lord, I just pray that you would allow us to be moved in the way that you have designed this story this morning, on this day, at this time, to move us, to read us, that we might be able to enter this narrative and to see what it is that you want to lift up for us to embrace. We pray these things in your name, in your name alone. Amen. So, blind Bartimaeus. A guy standing or sitting on the side of the road begging. It says that they were on their way to Jericho, Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, leaving the city. And a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth he began to shout. Now, now, just stop for a second here. Realize that this is a religious parade in motion. This is not just, this guy's on the roadside. He just happens to be begging, and it's a Monday, and all of a sudden, a big crowd of people shows up. He's like, what's happening? Something's happening right now. It wasn't like all of a sudden... A bunch of people showed up in the midst of no other people. This was a movement towards the Passover feast. There were thousands and thousands and thousands of pilgrims that were on their way to Jerusalem. And there's a particular moment in the midst of that parade, this clamor of people that this This guy who can't see with his eyes senses something with his heart. And he says, wait a minute. Something is different right now. Something is happening in the crowd that's distinct from the thousands of people who have already passed and the thousands that are coming in the future on their way to Jerusalem. Right now, something's different. Luke's account Shows that more because it's like Bartimaeus is saying, what's happening? He's asking the question, what's going on? And this strikes me because I have to, I, I share part of my testimony with you all growing up in a Christian home and, and, and where my life was at a period of life going through my teenage years that I was just going through the motions. I was just doing this and doing that because that's what everyone else does. I just, I, just, I went to church. I went to uh, Sunday school classes. We had catechism classes in my denomination. I went to a Christian school, and so I went to chapel three days a week. I mean, I went through all of that, right? And, and it was just, I thought, what people do in life. I, I never really internalized any of it. It was just motions I was going through. In many ways, I was in a religious parade. How many of these people really thought about why they were going down to Jerusalem for the Passover? How many of them were profoundly moved by that opportunity? It's like they're just in motion because it's what everybody does. And if you're a blind beggar with no money and you got to beg on the side of the road when something's going by you, pretty good idea to do it when a religious pilgrimage is happening. Right? Hopefully, there's going to be a little bit more sensitivity from folk, a little bit more of a willingness to be generous, because they're, after all, on a religious pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Well, evidently, when Bartimaeus experiences something different happening at this particular time, he asks what's going on, and he's told that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Now, we don't know how long he was blind, potentially for life. We don't know. He's clearly blind now. He's very poor. He's begging for sustenance for life. And and he hears and senses something different in the crowd. And when he asks, he hears about that Jesus of Nazareth is close and that's what's different now as far as we know he's never seen jesus of nazareth he's never seen a miracle he's never taken any of that in so many of the people who began believing in jesus and we saw that later as they fell off in their faith but they were attracted initially because of things they saw they saw a miracle i'm gonna follow that guy and then a few months later it was like well they weren't seeing other miracles or they weren't near him anymore, so they just got cold and went off in their own direction and, and, and didn't continue to pursue the new life that they had been invited to consider. But 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 this, this blind Bartimaeus, he, he hasn't seen anything. But when he hears the name Jesus of Nazareth, something arises within him. And I can't, I can't help but wonder if partly... The clue to what's happening is found in Luke chapter 4. When Jesus announces his ministry, at the time that Jesus comes and lays out what he's on earth to do. You don't have to turn here, but just listen. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. News about him spread through the whole countryside so that blind beggars could hear about it. How did Bartimaeus know anything about Jesus? Well, news had spread about what he was doing through the whole countryside, a countryside where lived a guy named Bartimaeus. That's how he knew. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and a scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him unrolling it he found the place where it was written and here's Jesus inaugurating his own ministry i, lo- I love this jesus man if us preachers could learn to preach like this man the world would be much better off because what jesus does is read three things and then the mike drops it that's his sermon right gosh we got to learn how to i got to learn how to do that Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. You think Bartimaeus didn't know he said that? And hadn't heard about the people and the men that Jesus healed who had been born blind? When he hears Jesus of Nazareth is going by, He knows about this Jesus of Nazareth, that he proclaimed about himself that he had come to give recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing bam, there goes the mic. I'm done. What a... And all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself and you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did at Cana. Truly I tell you, he commanded and he's in this conversation and engaging with them, but But his fame had spread throughout the countryside. A blind beggar had heard about that fame, and even probably the specificity of that he had come to give sight to the blind, and in fact, had done it on several occasions prior to Bartimaeus, right now, hearing that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Now, just aside for a second, how many of us have heard about the wonders of Jesus? (laughs) How many of us have heard about the wonders of what this King of Kings and Lord of Lords has done in the lives of people we know, in our own lives, in the sense of, of, in, of, of transformation that's occurred in all kinds of places, we have heard the wonders of the power of Almighty God through the person of Jesus Christ who came to take away the sins of the world. We have heard those things. But do we respond or do we just march as if we're in a religious parade? Because the folks around Jesus are just walking with him. There seems to be nothing special about their engagement with him whatsoever. They're just all on their way to Jerusalem. The the leaders and the power brokers, the ones who were able-bodied with eyes who could see and ears who could hear, were just all walking together. And nothing seems to be so significant to them. But when Bartimaeus had heard that Jesus of Nazareth was walking by, he started to yell and scream. Have mercy on me. He screams for mercy. He yells out, and then the, the crowd, embarrassed for him, like, dude, shut up. This is a great teacher. You're just a beggar on the street. You got nothing to bring. Shut up, dude. You're going to embarrass yourself. And what does Bartimaeus do? He yells all the louder. He doesn't care about the opinion of the crowd. He has heard that Jesus of Nazareth, whom he had heard about, is walking near him in proximity, and he will not miss this opportunity. He won't for nothing. And then what Jesus does, in verse 49, Jesus stopped. Just, just stop with that statement. Jesus stopped. A blind guy on the street begging for Jesus has caused him to stop in his tracks. How many times have we seen that in the stories of someone being stopped in their tracks by the words of someone from a place where they shouldn't be talking voices that should not be heard folks that are ostracized and marginalized to the periphery but but here Jesus I forgot to put the slide up he he's engaged with 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 what's happening with the moment right here and a blind beggar as he screams, Jesus stops and I, I just want you to grab that for a second because From the repentant heart of the sinner, of those who are blind, from those who are begging, right? Romans 3.23, you've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Lest you think, Bartimaeus, is somebody else, look in the mirror. All of us are blinded by sin. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us deserve to spend not only this earth on the sideline of a street begging for handouts from others, but an eternity banished from the very person who was walking in front of Bartimaeus right at this moment. That's what we deserve. But when Bartimaeus yells out and asks for mercy, the God of the universe stops. And I don't know what might be the cry of your heart today, But I want you to know that there's a Jesus near you who stops when you call. Who stops when you ask for mercy. I don't know if it's your marriage, your financial situation, a broken relationship. I don't know what it is that that's left you in a sense of of beggaredness and 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 just suffering or disorientation, but but bringing that reality and that honesty, the blindness you can't see, but if you bring it before Jesus, Jesus says through this passage to you, I stop and I ask for you to be brought to me. To come out into the middle of the street. And just imagine the scene, all these important people, they're all wanting to get next to this great teacher and, and Jesus doesn't stop for anybody else, but a blind beggar calls and he stops and then he, he does this incredible thing. In front of everybody, he asks, he asks this question of him and he says, what do you want me to do for you? Now, If Jesus showed up sometime before you go to bed tonight, and it's you and he and only you and he and no one else is around, and Jesus says to you, what do you want me to do for you? How would you answer that question? Would you be equipped to even feel empowered to answer it? Or would you feel selfish? I don't have a right. It's not about what I want, Jesus. It's about what you want. My life is dedicated to whatever you want. You tell me what you want, and then I will live into it. But can we talk about desire just for a second? Psalm 37 four says, Delight in me, and I will give you what? The desires of your heart. Bartimaeus, you have delighted in me. Tell me what you desire because that is my will for you. Have you ever had the experience where you see God's implanted desires in your hearts through delighting your life in Him that those very desires become the very nature of God's will for you? I grew up for so long feeling like I had a quench. What in the world? My brother's calling. I don't get my phone's over there. Um... All right, what was I, what was I saying? <laughs> what? I forgot what I was saying. I, I, I'm sure it was good because I was ready to take notes on myself. But um... Oh, yeah, desire, Okay, desires of your heart, right? That, that I was raised so often to think about as a follower of Christ, my desires don't matter. I have to sac- it's not anything about what I desire. It's all about what Christ desires. What does Christ want of me? I want to give my life to that. And I spent so many years trying to figure that out until one pastor once in the middle of a really difficult situation with two good options before me, and I was trying to figure out what God wanted me to do. He looked at me and said, well, what do you want to do? Because in your desire is God's will. Live into it, my brother. Are you delighting in him? Because your desire then becomes the mark of his will for you. Think about that. Jesus is saying to Bartimaeus, What do you want me to do for you? Live into that. Tell me. And you might think, well, that's a stupid question, right? The guy's blind. We we, we know what he wants. He wants to see. But Jesus doesn't presuppose that because, remember, Bartimaeus didn't ask to see. He said, give me mercy. He's begging for mercy. From who? From the merciful one. So Jesus isn't assuming anything about what he wants. He asked for mercy. Jesus stopped to extend mercy. And then he says, what would you like? What do you want? Bartimaeus says, I want to see. Well, then go. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight. And he followed Jesus along the road. there's so much in that beautiful question of what do you want me to do for you and I wonder if this week passes by I wonder in how many ways Jesus of Nazareth is going to pass you by he's going to be near you this week through unexpected relationships through unexpected circumstances are you able to discern that something unique is happening, and that you're willing, even if it means making a fool out of yourself, to be able to have Jesus stop that you might hear your question. That's part of the way God loves to work in our lives, through our discernment and awareness of his passing by, through surprising people and surprising circumstances. And what I think is especially relevant for for you all to consider um, as, as you even move forward as a congregation into the midst of what you're processing and sorting out together, even with the, the heart-to-heart meeting you're going to have this afternoon, the, the question is, Jesus says, relevant, relevance community, what do you want me to do for you? What do, you, what do you want me to do for you? <laughs> See, what's incredible here is what Bartimaeus does. I, I can't get down the rabbit hole of this teaching too much. It'll be too hard to explain it all. But, but, but in the sense of desire, here's what I want to try to communicate is that, that Bartimaeus has a choice either to borrow desire From the crowds, the crowd's desire is, Bartimaeus, shut up. Bartimaeus, (laughs) we want Jesus to keep walking because we're walking with him. We don't want him to stop. That's not our desire. So you should just shut up and just stay quiet, right? The crowd has a desire. Bartimaeus isn't willing to accept the desire of the crowd. He wants to lean in to the desire of Jesus, to borrow desire from him. And the world is screaming to try to get us to borrow desires from the world. In fact, I got this wonderful slide here. This little comic strip. Look at this. The little kid watching TV. I want one of those, and I want that, and I want those, and I want that, and that, and okay, no more TV for today. But how am I going to know what I want? Isn't that what marketing is all about? I don't know if anyone's in marketing here, right? The old Nike smoosh, right? Be like Mike. Borrow his desires. Be like him and you'll be a superstar athlete. See, there's a crowd here that's trying to infuse a situation with their will, with their desire. And what, what Bartimaeus is teaching us Is the ability to reject the desire of those around him and to embrace the desire of Jesus and to live into that desire. And I wonder, even as a church, so where and how are you engaging the Jesus of Nazareth who has been passing by you so ever so close? guiding and directing and bringing you. And you, as a church, you've had some blindness and some, some staggeredness. You, you've, you've had some real hardship that's left you on the roadside in some ways, some more than others, and you're like, I just don't know, and I'm, there's a, 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 a desolation sense of some of what's happened in the midst of all that's been going on. And Jesus comes by you as a Bartimaeus congregation as if you're willing to say... Jesus, Jesus, give us mercy. We want your mercy, and we want to borrow our desires as a church from you. What do you want from us that we might then be able to name that and live into that? Because what happens at times in different circumstances of conflict and struggle is that different people show up at different places and they come for a conversation, and, and they come with different desires, and the question is, from whom have they borrowed the desires they're carrying into the meeting? Had those desires come from Jesus, the person of Jesus, the merciful one? Because that's what Bartimaeus is showing us how to do. That's what Bartimaeus is living into, and as a result, his sight is restored, and he walks with Jesus along. The road. I, I don't know all that 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 narrative is inviting you as a congregation to step into, but I, I also don't want to end without saying this, that for some of you, for some of you, there's a call in this passage to really consider have you lived a chunk of your life just in a religious parade of activities that have been relatively thoughtless, that you've just been going through motions, it's just what everyone else does, and you just do what those around you do, and therefore, Christianity is simply a hobby outside of relentless passionate, zealed relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords that at times will put you at odds with the will of the world and the desire of the crowds. But there's a Jesus who wants to stop right in front of your life today and wants to be able to take off the cataracts from your eyes that you might see with 2020 Spiritual Vision the power and the love of His presence, of His grace, as scandalous as it is, to set you free from whatever it might be that is holding you bondage. And for some of us, it's just religiosity. It's just going through motions because it seems like that's what we're supposed to do. And what Bartimaeus is teaching us today is that there's a question from Jesus, from his lips, wanting to get near to you to ask, what do you want me to do for you? Because I want you to get off the street begging and to walk on the road of life with me. That's the invitation I'm making. I don't know where you're at with that, but if that's something you've never You've never fully given your heart to that God of mercy, to that Jesus who stops in front of your life and in front of your heart with a beautiful question of walking with you through life. If that's something you don't have a clear understanding of, you have leaders in this church and committed elders and teachers who would love to talk about that with you and guide you more fully into that presence of the power of walking with Jesus. Because I'm telling you, living life as a religious parade is stagnant, it's dry, it's deadening, and I can't tell you how many young people, especially, because their parents are Christians and they get raised in Christian homes, they live their lives as if it's just a religious parade, and therefore they get to college and other places, and it all falls apart because they weren't walking on the road with Jesus. They were religious but denying the very power therein of a Jesus who says, I love you, I came to this earth to die for you. I gave my life and I stopped on a cross to die that you might have life and life eternal. That's the Jesus that Bartimaeus yelled out to, that many around him missed because they just thought it was some religious procession to be part of. There's an adventure waiting From that Jesus who says, come walk with me, I stop, and I have a question for your life, and I want you to live into it, because I want to implant through your desires my will for you. That's the heart of the Jesus that is in this passage of Scripture. The Jesus, I believe, is leading you as a congregation right now in incredibly powerful ways. He has passed you by in the past, and he is passing you by right now and will be even today and this afternoon, passing by you near. Will you see him? Will you reach out to him? Will you accept his offer of stopping right in your midst? Because that's the Jesus we serve. Let's pray together. God, I just thank you so much, again, for your word that is just so packed with, with things for us to consider, for us to live into, for us to be moved by. And God, I just pray for Relevance Community. I pray that this church would be a church of people who get their desires from you and they live into them. It comes from you. It comes from your proximity and your closeness and your beautiful questions for their lives as individuals, as families, and as a congregation. God, thank you. Thank you for this story. Thank you for inviting us into it. Speak to us as only you can do. In your name, in your name alone we pray.